and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Rossa McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Patrick Coveney is Chief Executive Officer at SBB Group, PLC. He's a graduate of New College, Oxford, and is a Rose Scholar after his doctorate. But he started out in a commerce degree in UCC, and he left Clongos in 1988. Patrick, welcome to Port City of Clongos. Thanks, Rosso. Delighted to talk to you. And how would you describe your time, the years you had in Clongos, if I asked you that question, which I am? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'd say the best way to describe it is formative. You know, I went to Clongos when I was 11 years of age and, you know, I was there through till I was 17. It was 1980s Ireland and it was, I don't re- want to represent it as being Bleak. rougher than it was, but it was a formative time for me and a lot of the ways in which I learned to live my life were formed in my time in Clongos. Which is the sheer cohabitation, the ruffle, tussle of dealing with other people, good, bad, and different. That's formative. Exactly. Yeah. Get, getting what you want some of the time, but not all yeah. the time. Resilience, independence. Um, obviously, you know, the environment is somewhat protected in a, in, in a boarding school, but you, um, you kind of have to fend for yourself. As I say, you don't get everything that you want. And I, you know, I think you, you sort of learn many of the habits that stay with you long, long after you're gone. And you're the oldest in your family to go, the first to go, apart from your generation before. It was, it was predestined, yeah. but in your family, you were the first. Yeah, well, my father was in Congos yeah. um, for, he didn't do his entire secondary school career. He was there for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm the eldest of seven, six boys. Mm-hmm. And all six of us spent some time in Clongos, and five of the six of us spent a full six years each. Mm. And so it wasn't uh, a surprise to you that you'd be going or you'd seen the place before, and it wasn't well, that think, frightening? Yeah. Well, interesting. I didn't particularly want to go to Clongos. <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was very happy in school in Cork. Yeah. And in truth, my, my parents took a sort of softly, softly approach where... You know, it was, you know, why don't you see what it's like? You know, why don't you do a term? Why don't you do a year? See how uh, it goes. And, you know, and then I, you know, I really embraced it when, when I was there. It's interesting, you know, because I, I look back on my time in Clongos with a, and it was the very first thing I said to you, with a, with a real sense that a lot of the ways, for better or worse, in which I, I live my life were formed by my time in Clongos. But mm. I don't look back on it with particular fondness um, because, you know, made many great friends there and um, had undoubtedly benefited from lots of the things that you had the opportunity to do there. You know, there were disappointments and challenges associated with the time there as well, right? Which which may not have been apparent to people who looked at me, Mm. where it might have looked like plain sailing in all sorts of ways. But that wasn't necessarily how I felt about it when I was there. And I, we can touch more on some of those things. In the, and when you look the, back then, yeah, when do they, the super arch, the good stuff, the bad stuff, or when you look back uh, now with distance? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly the good stuff superseded the the less good stuff. So I mean, what, what, was, what was the good stuff? Let's let's talk kindly about that. So, I mean, you know, I was fortunate that I was an academically smart kid mm. and Clongos facilitated that. Everything that I remember about Clongos at the time was competitive, right? Mm. So 
you know, this this was this was an era when when you, when you did a school exam, yeah, you know, the boys were ranked one to twenty five in terms in every single piece of you know test that you did publicly put up on the notice board, right? And so, you know, I was fortunate in that you know more often than not, I was close to the top of that notice board, yeah. and the quality of the teaching, both in terms of the knowledge that was imparted, but also the thinking that went behind that was very, very good. And, you know, it created a a kind of academic and intellectual problem-solving framework for me that is still very evident in, in everything that I've subsequently done, both in academia and then in various walks of business and, you know, over the course of the last 30 years. So, mm. um, so I would put a put a big, big tick for me on the academic environment at Congress. And it was possible within that framework to, you know, explore things at the edge of academics as well. So, you know, the academy, debating. The debate, uh, debating was strong in your time. I mean, something that's it, less important it, now, it seems. Yeah. But in my very, time, it was very important. Yeah, it was very strong. And, you know, you know, there, there's some things that, you know, I was a good debater too, right? So, um, you know, so I, you know, third line, lower line, higher lines. I only won. I only won the, yeah, the third yeah. line silver medal for debate. Yeah, I, didn't so, go, but, I gave but, up after that, Patrick. Retired. <laughs> no, exactly. But the way in which the Jesuits went to, about doing it, and there were still obviously many, many more Jesuit teachers. They weren't then, the majority yeah. of the teachers when I was there, but there was still a very strong cadre of Jesuit teachers when I was there. You know, it didn't feel like there was much of a safety net against the kind of given the competitiveness of all of the individual activities, whether that was debating, whether mm. that was academics, whether that was sport. And so, you know, you, um, like I, I feel, well, I didn't always get everything that I wanted. I felt like that competitive environment was very, very helpful to me. And it took me out of a very comfortable environment that I was in as a primary school student in Cork and probably would have continued if I had stayed there. So in that sense, Congress was very formative for me. But you felt the exposure, it was a positive or a negative. As I hear you talk, I'm not sure which I hear. It was positive oh, or the exposure oh, of being yeah. enlisted made you more self-conscious? It was definitely a positive, but it wasn't always easy. Okay. Might be the way of putting yeah. it. Okay. And when you look at the way you do of your life, you said it already, what kind of things for life, apart from competitiveness and stuff, did it give you any softer skills or? Yeah. And apart from being physically tall, I was kind of yeah. like, a, a how would I put it, a tall poppy when I arrived in the school in the sense that I had a... You're very visible. It, I, yeah, I didn't. And I didn't, you know, suffer from self-doubt. And, yeah. um, and so I got knocked down a bit. I think that was helpful. But undoubtedly, if I've tried to put together some of the kind of character features that I had by the time I left Clongos. Mm. One was kind of, you know, intellectual rigor, intellectual discipline, problem solving, thinking. It wasn't learning by rote, really. It was a much more rigorous kind of intellectual framework that I think I took from my time in Clongos. Both the, you know, leaving certain academics and the stuff that, that then enabled for me, but, you know, the way in which you know, a teacher like Brian Brosnan, for example, would have you know, genuinely encouraged us to think, deep, you know, think much more broadly about mathematics than would be the case as I observe how my own kids have done the leaving cert since, for example, mm. but also things like the academy debate and things like that. So that, that would be one. The second piece is the, the sense of resilience and independence, right? And the ability to take not small or big, which comes from, you know, learning to survive in a, and prosper. Mm. 
in an environment of where you don't have the kind of the immediate fallback of family protection. You know, so it's figuring out how to how to live in a group of 65 kids in your own year and 250 or 400 kids in the whole school. Yeah. So, and that combination of resilience, independence, intellectual rigor, and then some of the softer things, like which may in some ways may have taken me longer to to develop, like empathy, relationship building, trust. A lot of those things happen by osmosis in the intensity of a boarding school environment. No, it's, am- it's amazing skill set. You have to develop one to survive, as you say. Yeah, the, the competitive nature means that every day it feels like a battle at certain ages until you get into yeah. rhetoric and you're cool, I suppose. But there is a day-to-day lunch, dinner, and tea confrontation can be, and you have to get over yeah. yourself in many ways. Which, for life, you have to let you at least yeah. you have that skill learnt. I think that's right. One quote that um, I noted at the time and it's thought about it and lived by it ever since actually is um, when we were in, I think it was second year grammar, as it was called then, a group of sort of, how would I put it, students in very good standing in the school in terms of academic performance and mm. class council reps and sport and all of that. In other words, not a group of what you might call typical troublemakers yeah. got got caught in a sort of an unfortunate incident where we we had left the school to go and play darts in one of the villages close by on a Wednesday afternoon. There was no rugby or something. Mm. Anyway, there was a fire alarm and we were caught off the school when the fire alarm went. And then we made a bit of an unnecessary drama out of the whole thing by overthinking it and taking longer to come back and all that. We we came back anyway and we were, um, Father Michael Shields, still around, took us aside and kind of gave us a general dressing down. I think we were gated for a period uh, a yellow card wasn't yeah. it yeah it wasn't a particularly significant thing in the steam things but i remember what he said is he said i remember he spoke to us each of us individually and he looked at me and he said patrick there's no such thing as preparation for life there's just life and <laughs> and i think that has stood to me very well actually in terms of how you could just go about doing things and the in other words it was about taking responsibility you know you can't yeah. just say hey you know i need a practice I, run and then i'll tell you yeah there's no practice yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. there just is yeah. yeah. And that was a pretty good way of thinking about my time in Congos, actually. Mm. While, of course, it's got all of the the developmental elements of being in a school and, you know, taking in, you know, very, you know, young, innocent, naive 11 and 12 and 13 year old boys and typically past setting up for, you know, young men who leave, who who are better equipped to deal with the world, typically by virtue of the experience than they would otherwise have been. Yeah, but some of the things they teach you, Patrick, they're like time bombs. They become apparent as you get older. You don't realize yeah. at the time. Correct. You know, but the basic things, sometimes we Klongos get criticized for, and it would be my typical thing. I wish I'd been taught more about business, blah, blah, blah. But yet, on the account side, people like yourself and others decided, well, Klongos produces these superstars of business. But you seem yeah. to have learned that yourself through the knocks and the experiences. It wasn't on the curriculum per se. It just yeah. your, your personality evolved that way. I, I think that's right. And I think some of the drive that's necessary to go on and have impact in the things that you do, mm. even you know, stemming from sort of, you know, things that are reasonably obvious when you're in Klongos, but we're not always obvious for everyone else. It's like getting up early in the morning, you know, <laughs> fitting fitting a lot of stuff into the day. Yeah. Meeting deadlines, turning up when you need to, balancing, you know, learning with sport, with social activity, with, you know, I often think about, 
you know, as I reflect back on my time in Congos, you know, and I look at how, you know, I've, well, you know, four kids now, I mean, uh, three of them have left school, one's still there. But, you know, we fitted a lot into every day. Yeah. When we were in Clongos. Yeah, fish time. We were very efficient with time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you weren't given much of a choice about that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Right? <laughs> um, but, but it built a behavior and a sense of what, you know, you can and need to get done every day that I think is a, is a helpful preparation for going on and getting stuff done when you leave. Yeah, I mean, your English essay had to be in Serpentine Gallery by eight for Johnny Luby. Yeah. Hail, rain, or shine. That's right. Do you mean? Yeah. No excuses. And then, yeah, and then, as I say, and I sometimes laugh about this after this conversation with, with my own kids, you know, and then when, when you submitted all that work, you know, you were then forced ranked up on the class note board in, yeah. terms, of, um, in terms of who did the best and, and who did the worst of those pieces yeah. of work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Your time uh, seemed harsh, and I don't remember that, Patrick. That seems very harsh, really, to be uh, <laughs> hung, drawn, and quartered publicly. You know what I mean? But, well, uh, well, well, funny enough, I mean, that was one thing that was never really harsh for me, but it was harsh for some of my um, some of my friends in our in our year, yeah. um, for who dreaded that, you know. And homesickness and that you didn't struggle with that early on. You were comfortable. No, I um. I mean, I'm very, I was very close to my parents, but no, I, I mean, I didn't. I mean, we, we had again, um, you know, I look at the, I look at the clangos of today and it's some, in so many ways. <laughs> Hotel clangos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's so much more positive than, than was the case now. And, and by the way, for the most part, that more thoughtful, supportive environment is probably for the best. But, mm. but I mean, our, our model was, you know, your parents dropped you to school at, you know, the beginning of September, end of August, beginning of September. Anytime you saw them between then and, you know, apart from you know, going home at Halloween or Christmas, it's like you, you know, you got you got a bus to Houston Station, you got yeah. a train to Cork. That was it. Yeah. Like I think my parents would have come, dropped me to Clongos the beginning of the year. They probably came for the parent teacher meeting. Yeah. And they collected me at the end of the year. And that was their time in the school, Union Day. Yeah. yeah. So um and I look at like being a parent of a boy who left Clongos last summer. Yeah. And I would say that more often than not, I was in Clongos once a week and more often than not. Max, that's my son, his mother would have been in Clangos twice a week for six oh. years. Wow. Um, and, and that, by the way, was not unusual. There would be parents yeah. who would be there three times a week, you know. And yeah. so some of that is good because what's happened is, we're going off on a slight tangent here, but um, is that the family is much more embraced by the school now. Yes. That was the case when, when you know, yeah. in the 80s. In where the old days, they not call unless they were called to come down and see somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It was generally a problem that you saw your parents there, like something got <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're in yeah. trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And business is always where you're going to go rather than politics and anything else? Yeah, I mean, I... I you left that to one of your brothers to politics, yeah. did you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been involved in politics to a yeah. certain degree in the as a support to both my father and my brother. But as... Um, uh, but for me, I was I was more interested then, still am, in a commercial or business career. And actually, one thing that happened in Clongos, this um, kind of classic small world thing, actually, is that, but a very, very strong memory for me is um, in uh, fifth and sixth year, or I, can't, I, can't, I think it was early in, early in the sixth year, first term, we had this mock interview program and um, all Congonians in different walks of life would come down and partly career fair, partly a kind of a role model 
or wrote a kind of a case study of how to do an interview. And David Dilger came down as wow. an absolute sort of rock star businessman yeah. at the time yeah. in Woodchester. And yeah. um, he ultimately ended up as it's, my yeah. predecessor, CEO of Green. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, he, he, the he circle hired, closes. I, he did. But I remember him coming down and talking about the journey from leaving school into a significant leadership position in a significant business and it being a fast journey you know one that the one that was that you know he delivered on quickly and with all of the color and commentary that um that he can describe and i remember saying to myself yeah that that's what i want to do and then you know amazingly 16 years later or something i get a phone call from him saying will you come and do an interview effectively to be cfo of Greencourse?" and i remember the first time i met him in that interview process i said to him you know this isn't the first interview you've ever done and he he recounted the uh, which he remembered too. So yeah. that's a aspect of Clongos, which we're touching on here, uh, Rosso, which is the sense of alumni or wider community of people who've been in Clongos and the level of uh, mutual support, which is a feature of that. Mm. And do you be close? Would you, would you meet regularly on that theme? Well, I, I, I do and I don't. You know, we, we, we have our you know, kind of formal year regroupings, which t- the, the ones that are most significantly attended are the kind of 10-year, 20-year. Where'd you uh, get to 40 and 50? Like, where, <laughs> where, where did the time go? Like, yeah, but, exactly. Um, and then there are groups of people in business who are both in my, you know, who are both in my year and in other years, actually, mm. who, you know, who I come across and, you know, um, ranging from David to down to, you know, down to people like Rob Carney and so forth. So like, yeah, you you will always have, you know, as long as, <laughs> walking the planet yeah. you will always have a shared experience with the people who you spent that level of you know intense six years with mm. and and you don't you know you can kind of recognize it with a nod you often don't even need to speak in order to be able to in order to be able to reconnect yeah sounds like a secret society sometimes the outside well, they, 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 well, they don't don't I, get us really yeah i think i think it has um may well have elements of that in truth mm. i mean not not in any sinister sort sinister of way, way. But just it, it's the it's it's the the intensity of that shared experience yeah, yeah. And is there any music you hear now patrick that would take you back to being 12 15 17 and remind you yeah, of the base does, well, well it, it, it yes is the short answer <laughs> I, I mean the um i mean firstly you know we were of the era where the sony walk <laughs> would just start to take effect yeah. right and so it was you know, it was the sort of height of cool in school to have a kind of Sony Walkman that when the lights went out at night, you could listen to. So I guess it was a teenager in 1980s through 1980s Ireland, right? And mm-hmm. so I was in awe then, as I am now, of you 2 And I remember listening to, you know, the Unforgettable Fire album on my Walkman in 1984, 1985 in mm-hmm. my um, cubicle in second year and third year. And yeah. so the, I'm trying to remember some of the other albums, Standard Ballet, maybe Simple Minds, but 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 the I remember more the experience of the Walkman as a kind of a, somewhat of a kind of private space and a yeah. relationship you can have with music. Yeah. So if you hear that now, that's where you are back in Clown, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. And there was never any question that Max wouldn't, and your other sons would not go to Clown. Was that was a given, or was that a? a... So it's a very interesting question because his um decision to go to Clongos was a little different from mine. Like, mm. you know, I, I live on Ranala. I live about, I, I mean, I can, Two much, from Gonzaga. I can pretty much see Gonzaga from, <laughs> you know, from, from our 
yeah, bedroom or the yeah. front room of our house. I mean, I'm about, you know, five, four or 500 yards from the gates of Gonzaga. <laughs> so our presumption actually had been that Max would go, to, would go to primary school and Mary's and I pretty much expected him to go to Gonzaga and I would have been happy with that, but he really, really wanted to go to Clangos. And, and once he, once he had that very, very strong drive to want to do that, Emma, it's my wife and I were, were very supportive of him doing that, but we didn't push him there. It was his call. And he didn't, he settled in straight away. Yeah, he loved it. He loved yeah. every day there. Yes. And, and he's a um, big, big, big fan of Clangos. And actually, we took a lot from the experience of re-engaging with the school as a parent. Right. And now there's, you know, there's some continuity of, um, in fact, Max's time in the school was when you began to see the last of the teachers who I would have had back in the 80s who were, you know, who were retiring out. So like, you know, people like James Ahern, Martin Nugent. Um, Brian Brosnan. Yeah, Brian was gone by the time really? uh, Max started. But, mm. um, you know, Michael Shield's still there. So, you're, um, there's, there's not many people left who were who were there, you know, unfortunately coming up to 40 years ago. Yes, um, and if you were to sum up the place in a phrase or word, Patrick, what would come to mind? Well, I'm very grateful that I was there. And I'm certain that it embedded in me a set of values and behaviours that have been, that have contributed to me having both a, a happy life so far and an impactful one. It clearly comes across. Patrick Coveney, thank you for joining us today on Portraits of Clongos. You're very welcome. Thanks, Russell.